Thank you, Ken. He reminded me that I was supposed to have the green light on. I uh, stood up too soon because they were sneaking up behind me. I didn't know they were there. Thank you, Hassas. Appreciate that message and song very much. You know, it's interesting to me. Um, I didn't share with anybody what the Lord had laid on my heart for tonight, and yet all of the songs have tied in with the message just as if I had ordered them. I did not, but he did. And I've seen that happen so many times uh, that you can't consider it an accident. There are no accidents in God's economy. They're all planned events. Now, they may not be planned for us. We may not understand them. I remember the time I was supposed to preach at a pastor's fellowship and on the other side of the state, and we were driving over. We got an Afton Mountain, and my wife was driving. And uh, all of a sudden, traffic stopped on Afton Mountain. There no fog, no clouds, no nothing, perfectly blue sky. And the car right in front of us darted off into the median. That was before they'd put up all the guardrails in there. And we're at milepost 105. My wife jammed on the brakes, and the last thing that I saw was the back of a Volvo. Now, we drive a Grand Marquis, but it's no match for a Volvo. And, uh, and all of a sudden, uh, this, we had this funny smell in the car, and it filled with white, and we decided we were in heaven. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and my wife said, what in the world did they have in the back of that Volvo that all this white stuff is here? Well, then the airbags let down, and there we were, and uh, we had, uh, of course, totaled the car and uh, got off the road, and the police came, and the wreckers came, and all that stuff. And the guy in the Volvo got out. His, his car was hardly touched. And he got out, and he came walking back, and he said, uh, I'm Bobby Ucrop. Are you folks okay? And, of course, we were. And uh, God was working, even in that. I didn't preach, obviously. Uh, the kids came and took us home. And, uh, uh, and my wife had to go to court because she, you know, if you're following, no matter what happens, it's your fault. So uh, she went to court, and she got in court. And the, the, uh, the judge said, this was in Charlottesville, the judge said, uh, important people speak well of you to my wife. And my wife stood there like, what in the world are you talking about? And he pulled out a letter from Bobby Ucrop. He had written the judge and said, Judge, this wasn't her fault. It was just what happened. And uh, the judge just missed the charges. And my wife, of course, had to pay the $1,000 court cost. It wasn't quite that much, but, you know. And a few days later, he called the house to see how she was doing. And uh, it was really, it was very special to, to us. I had uh, met Mr. Ucrop during some of the legislation times, particularly when we we're fighting the lottery. The Ucrops were very, uh, very vocal against the lottery and, uh, and helped us financially in other ways as well in the fight against the lottery, and I thank the Lord for that. But I don't know why I said all that. My wife says, I don't know why you said it either, but anyway, <laughs> just trying to make me look bad. Uh, but you know, there are no accidents. God, God is working. God is working. God is always working. And the message the Lord has laid upon my heart tonight that I want to share with you is about the sun, S-U-N, okay? But 
before we're through, I hope you see the sun, S-O-N, in a brand new light. And there's no pun intended. I want to talk about the sun and the sun, okay? Judy's mom and dad, and many of you, uh, I shouldn't say many, those of you who've been here for some time, Judy's mom and dad came to live with us the last years of their life, the last two years of their life. They flew from Arizona, first time they've ever been on an airplane. They flew from Arizona to Virginia on Super Bowl Sunday. That was my break in the legislature. We had to move them quickly. Dad was con having congestive heart failure, and we didn't really have any time to plan this whole thing out. We had to move them very quickly. And we got into Atlanta, and as we were landing in Atlanta, the stewardess came and said, uh, Mr. Knapp, uh, uh, good news and bad news. I said, okay. She said, the good news is we're landing safe in Atlanta. I said, great, I'm glad to hear that. She said, the bad news is all the flights to the East Coast have been canceled because of an ice storm. So you won't be able to get into Richmond. My father-in-law and my mother-in-law are both in wheelchairs. My mother-in-law is handicapped, can't even walk. And we're stranded in Atlanta on Super Bowl Sunday, and there are no motel rooms. And there are no benches. Finally, I found a... Uh, 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 a shoeshine stand and, uh, and it had a bench in it. So I said to the man, I said, what would you rent me your bench for? He said, pretty cheap. He said, I haven't had any business. I said, how's uh, $50 sound? He says, sold. <laughs> and, uh, and so I gave him the money and got my mother-in-law stretched out on that uh, couch there so she could rest for a little while. And I turned around, he's packing up all his stuff. I said, where are you going? He said, he said, I made more money in the last, 50, in the last 15 minutes than I made all day. I'm going home to watch Super Bowl. <laughs> I said, well, leave your stuff out. Maybe I can polish some shoes while you're gone. But uh, anyway, we got them here and got them all settled in. And they were with us those last two years. But they had lived in Arizona for 25 years. They had, they had left a Michigan dairy farm. If you can imagine this, the soil was as black as my Bible. And it was 20 feet deep. It was called bottomless peat. They could have bagged it up and sold it and made a fortune, but they were farming it instead. And they, and they went out to Arizona where it is desert. Northern Arizona in the high desert. They did get snow there occasionally, but it was hot. It was hot there. And, and my mother-in-law loved the heat. When they came to live with us, we had to separate our heating and air conditioning. So they were downstairs. We were upstairs. We sat there at 76 degrees all the time and then put baseboard heating in their room so they could get up to 80 degrees. And my mother-in-law would sit in her uh, electric chair with an electric blanket over her in sweats and complain, Jack, do I feel a draft? <laughs> uh, but anyway, I lo loved them both. They were my own mom and dad for some 42 years. My parents died, my mother died the second year we were married. My dad died 10 years later. So they were really mom and dad to me for all those 42 years, and I thank God for them. But their, their time out there in Arizona was really something. I mean, it's hot. I mean hot out there. We went out one August to celebrate Judy's uh, uh, 39th birthday. I don't know which anniversary of it it was. But anyway, we went out there to celebrate her birthday in, in, in August, and, and I mean, it was scorching. One of the things they had to do out there is they, they had to tank their water in. You couldn't afford to drill your own well because the water table was so low. So you had a community well, and you would go, and you take your little tank on the back of your pickup, you go down there and fill it up, 250 gallons, haul it up to your house, then you dump it into a 
1,000 uh, gallon tank and then you had a, sh a shallow pump to pump it in the house so you had water just like we would have here. But every so many days you had to go down and, and do that. And uh, so we were there and I'm trying to help dad out so I said, I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead. I'll take the uh, truck down and get the, get the water. And to do that I had to go down in the shed and open up the shed and it, the tank was inside this shed and there was a green garden hose that you had to hook up to the, uh, the tank to get the water from the pickup into the into the thousand gallon tank. When I reached up for the green garden hose, it moved. I said, well, that's a strange garden hose. And then I realized the garden hose had a head on it. And there was a green snake in there. Well, uh, it was not a poisonous snake and I got a hold of it and I put it on a rake and took it up. My in-laws had a big 20 foot picture window to look out on the desert. They loved it beautiful. And uh, so I had on this rake and Here's this 100 foot, well, no, it wasn't that long. Anyway, here was this snake uh, on, this, on this pole, and I took it up to show it to them, and, and they laughed after they realized it wasn't a poisonous snake. And, and I said, well, I'm not putting him back in there. I know why he was in there. He's catching mice. He was, he was a mouse eater. So instead of a black, garden, uh, a black rat snake, you had a green rat snake. Anyway, uh, I dropped him on, on the ground. Well, the ground is, is scorching hot. And immediately that snake slithered over to where he's under a rock wall, the shadow of a rock wall. Several times during the day, I'd look out and he's still laying there. A couple times he tried to get back because he wanted to get back where all those, all those mice were. And he'd, but he'd get out on that hot sand, he'd go right back. He wanted to stay in the shadow. Sometimes shadows come into our lives, into our lives and they, are, they can be either a blessing or they can feel like a weight or a time of distress. The psalmist talks about the latter when he says, we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And, and then we have the, the, the shadow which is a sign of a pending storm like the, the disciples faced on the Sea of Galilee or Elijah. You remember Elijah uh, saw a storm move in when he was there at Mount Horeb. And after the storm passed, then God spoke in a still, small voice. But when we have days like we had on Tuesday and Wednesday, uh, we want shadows. <laughs> 100 degrees just doesn't go well. I, I remember we made a trip to, to Texas. We wanted to see the pageant out there in Texas called Texas. It takes place in the panhandle. We've talked about it for years. They've been putting it on over 50 years. Same man who wrote it who wrote the uh, Lost Colony. How many of you have seen the Lost Colony down in North Carolina? Quite a few of you have. Well, the same man wrote this pageant out there, and it's similar to it, but it's about the history of Texas, and we've always wanted to see it. It was our 59th anniversary, and Judy said, let's go. So we, we got off the plane in Texas in August. Again, not a, not a very smart move. 114 degrees and no shade. Now, now that's when we want some shade, you know, when, when you get to that. It's when we pray for shadows. And tonight, I want us to look at some shadows of blessing that God brings into our lives. And there are three shadows, all shadows of blessing, and they're all sent to us by a wonderful, loving God, shall we pray. Dear Lord, take your word tonight and speak to our hearts out of the shadow. Uh, comfort us, strengthen us, encourage us, and Help us, Lord, to show forth your Son to a world lost in darkness. 
We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The first shadow that we want to look at, we find in Isaiah chapter 32, if you'll turn there, please. And the first two verses of Isaiah chapter 32, we read about this very first shadow. Behold, a king shall reign in righteousness, and princes shall rule in judgment. <laughs> Can you imagine a time like that, when a king would really be a righteous king? I can only think of one, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ, and I'm sure that's who Isaiah is talking about. And a man shall be as an hiding place from the wind, and a covert from the tempest, as rivers of water in a dry place, as a shadow of a great rock in a weary land. You know, you may be weary tonight. It's the end of a day. And it'd be perfectly acceptable if you're a little weary tonight. Uh, James is weary tonight. He's not feeling well. Uh, Dr. Sumter's, I'm sure, weary tonight. And, and you may be weary. And there's nothing wrong with being weary. But when you're weary, you need a time of refreshment. And this is the shadow that we have. This great rock here provides us with refreshment. We can here rest from the hardships of a weary day, a weary life, a weary moment, and we can find the refreshment that we need in the shadow of this great rock, which, by the way, is the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no doubt about it. There are several things that we can think about when we think of a rock. I don't know what comes to your mind when I think about a rock, but I don't, a great rock, I don't think about something I can pick up in the palm of my hand and throw a few feet. I don't think about a pebble. When I think about a great rock, my mind goes to uh, that little uh, rock outside Atlanta uh, called Stone Mountain. How many have been there? Uh, we got a, a lot more. I thought we would. That's, that's a little closer to home. Yeah, Stone Mountain. And uh, now that is a great rock. And the rock, of course, always, when we think about a rock, we think of several things. First of all, we think of the strength of a rock. Uh, they tell me, and, and I wasn't there when they did it, but when they did the carving on the side of that mountain, they had a terrible job because of how hard that granite rock was, and they ended up using some kind of blasting equipment. Uh, they, I understand they couldn't use much dynamite even. They actually had to use harder uh, blasting equipment to get that, get that moved. That's the strength of that rock. And Jesus Christ has the strength that we need and the strength not only that, not only that, that we need, but we can have because of his strength. And not only do we think of the strength uh, of a rock, but we think of the stability of the rock. Can, can you imagine the, the bulldozer that would move Stone Mountain? Picture that in your mind. I can't picture one that big. I can't, I can't imagine anything that could move Stone Mountain. They tell me, they estimate the weight of Stone Mountain at one trillion pounds. I, <laughs> you may think you're overweight, but you've got a ways to go. One trillion pounds. Can you imagine what it would take? And Jesus Christ talked about uh, building on something that is strong. He said, you can build your life on two different things. You can build your life on sand. 
And what happens when the storm comes? Ask the people who built on uh, the outer shores, I mean, the, on outer banks. Uh, ask the people who built on the, on the cliffs out in the west, and then they were under, un, undercut, and the houses f fell off into the Pacific Ocean. Uh, you can build on sand. Oh, yeah, you can build on it. Uh, I remember when uh, my father was in the construction business, and I can remember when he talked about building some buildings in Chicago, and they had to, to drive pilings down to find solid rock uh, to build them on because the sand wasn't substantial enough to hold them up. And so not only will the rock give us strength, but it will give us stability, stability. And then the third thing that that rock will give us is shelter. And that's what that snake was looking for. By going, he didn't want to be on that hot sand. He wanted to be in the shelter where that little rock wall was that my father-in-law had built to hold his cactus garden. And the sun was in the right, so that snake could lay right up against that wall and stay out of that sun. By the way, to finish the story of the snake, the next morning he was gone. I did not check to see if he made it back uh, inside the, the, uh, uh, the tank house. I'll let my father-in-law do that the next time he got water. But anyway, uh, that snake, uh, at, when it got cool, made his way across there. But we can have shelter of that. So that is the, the first shadow that we find, the shadow of a great rock. And that great rock, of course, is the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the one who can shade us from the sun, the sun, so that we uh, can be, have strength, we can have stability, we can have shelter in the time, uh, uh, in, in the weary day when we're weary. We find the refreshment that we need. If you turn over to Psalm 91, if you'll turn there, uh, we can find a, a verse that kind of applies to this as well. Psalm 91 and the first verse there says, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. That is our rock, and that is our place of comfort. That is our place of, of shelter, uh, a place from the hardships of the weary day, the weary land, the weary hour. The second shadow we find is uh, we're going to look at the shadow of a great eagle. And this time I'm going to ask you to turn, stay in Psalms, but let's go back toward the front a few pages. And we're going to Psalm chapter 73, and uh, we're going to look down at verse 7. Because thou hast been my help, therefore in the shadow of thy wings will I rejoice. And then if you'll flip Back to Psalm 91, we find another verse that talks about that. In verse 4, he says, He shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. He, again, this time we're, we're hiding in the shadow of a great eagle. And it's, it's very interesting uh, we made a trip up to see uh, my wife's brother. He lives in northern Minnesota at the Canoe Boundary area, a little town up there called Grand Rapids, Minnesota. It's just a couple of hours from where the Mississippi River begins. That, that's interesting. You think of the mighty Mississippi, and you watch it go flood stage. You go up to where it begins. It comes out of a little lake called Lake Itasca. It is this deep, 
And there are stepping stones you can walk all the way across the great mighty Mississippi River. And about two miles from where it begins, you come to a sign where it says it's, it's, you're at the Mississippi River. It says the Mississippi River on this side of the sign, and it says Mississippi River on this side of the sign. And you look both ways, you don't see a river. So you park your car and you get out and you look, and here's a stream about so wide and about two feet deep, and it's going under the highway in a culvert about that big around, the mighty Mississippi. And it flows up past Judy's brother's house and then on down and other rivers join it and so on. And, and by the time you get out of Minnesota, uh, you have traveled about 640 miles of a 2,400 mile river. And it's been, all of that's been in Minnesota. But when you get down near the end of the Mississippi in Minnesota, you come to a place called Wabasha, Minnesota, and there they have the National Eagle Center. We visited that. And this, this verse, these verses, really took on a different, different meaning to me as I saw uh, those eagles. These are eagles that have had uh, broken wings or have other problems, so they've, they've had to take them in and, and they're working with them. And, but they have them where you can see them. And something disturbed the eagles, uh, something through the window. And they set out a, a loud scream, uh, hollering, could hear it all through the building. Uh, and they're flapping their wings and, and they're going to protect their territory. And God says that he is going to be to us a great eagle, a picture here of safety. He's going to protect us. These eagles protect their territory. They protect their young. They feed their young. They supply their young. It's very interesting, the things we learned about an eagle while we were there that day. An eagle can see a rabbit at three miles away. Joy, if James had eyes like that, those deer would not stand a chance, would they? <laughs> All he'd need is a rifle that would shoot that far. But anyway, uh, I mean, it's, it's unreal how God has prepared them. Listen, God is the one who feeds us. God is the one who protects us. God is the one who, who gives us safety. The, the, the eagle has a seven and a half foot wingspan. In North America, there is only one bird that has a bigger wingspan, and that's the California condor. And they have a 10-foot wingspan. And I, I have to digress. We, we were out in Utah several years ago, and we went to the Perea River. It's not much of a river. And they have a ranger station there. We stopped to talk to the ranger because of where we wanted to go, and we had to have ranger permission to go there. We stopped to talk to him, and he had this big feather on his counter. And I said, is that an eagle feather? He said, no, that's a condor feather. He said, let me tell you what happened recently with a condor. I said, okay. He said, there was a photographer wanting to photograph some sunset scenes. And he was sitting on the ground with his camera in front of him and sitting very still because he didn't have anything to do, really. And he had this feeling that somebody was watching him. And he turned around, and here was a condor licking its lips, thinking he was supper. <laughs> oh. 
Boy, that'd make you feel good, wouldn't it? <laughs> anyway, uh, the guy told me it was the truth. I don't know if it is or not. Anyway, uh, God is here. He's un- we're under his wings. So we not only find ourselves here for with safety, but under the shadow of the great rock uh, with, with the refreshment that we need. And then the third and the last we find over in the book of Solomon, the Song of Solomon, and it is in the second chapter, and it is in verse 3. And here we find the shadow not only of a great rock and not only of a great eagle, but here we find the shadow of a great tree. As the apple tree among the trees of the wood so was my beloved among the sons. I sat down under his shadow with great delight, and his fruit was sweet to my taste. Here, under this shadow, we find the delight that we need. Not only does the Lord provide us with strength, stability, shelter, safety, but he provides us with satisfaction. He provides us with the refreshment, the taste. I had the privilege of growing up in southwestern Michigan, grew up on three different kinds of farms, three main farms. One farm had grapes and dairy. That was my Uncle Duane. One had fruit and dairy. That was Uncle Glen Lane. And the last farm that I grew up on was a grape farm. All of these farms grew fruit. And that part of Michigan grows lots and lots and lots of fruit. And one of the things, I guess, when I think of Michigan, the one thing that I, that I miss the most about Michigan is fresh fruit. Since we left that area, I have yet to have fresh fruit. Now, you may know where to get it. I've never found it uh, out, outside of that area. Because fresh fruit never makes it to the grocery store because you cannot ship it. It's impossible to ship truly fresh fruit. Uh, can, can, you, can you imagine, I, I hated to pick peaches, but I love to eat peaches. I mean, when you spend a day in the peach orchard picking peaches, you feel like you spent a day wrestling with uh, fiberglass. I mean, you are covered with that peach fuzz. Now, you say, well, the peaches I get at the market don't have fuzz. No, they don't, because they've been through a brushing machine, took all the fuzz off. But it's there when you start picking them. And at the end of the day, of course, you're sweating, and, and, and that fuzz is all over in your nostrils, in your eyes, in your ears, and between your toes. Uh, anyway, I mean, it's, it's, it's all over. And, but there's nothing like picking a peach that is dead ripe, brush a little of the fuzz off, and bite into it, and feel the juice running down, and oh man, I mean, the flavor is unreal. I get, I get hungry just thinking about it. But I've bought peaches that look so good, and I've tested them, you know, to see if they've got any softness, and get them home, and you have to take a jackhammer to them to, to, to cut them. And that's not ripe fruit, that's not ripe fruit. Apples. Uncle Glenn Lane had all kinds of apples. Had every kind of apple I, I 
I'd ever heard of at that time in my life. And to go out in the, in the apple orchard in the fall, this time of the year, October, and pick the fruit from the trees when it is really, really ripe. The really, really ripe fruit, much of it is on the ground because it has fallen from the trees that it's gotten so ripe. And we would go and, and get that fruit, pay a dollar a bushel for it, take it home, my wife would can it, and we would have fruit all winter that, that was really, really ripe. This is the kind of fruit that the Song of Solomon is talking about. This is the, the great fruit that God wants to give us. So God has for us tonight, and I know we may be weary, and I know we may be hungry, and I know we, we may feel insecure right now, but let me say this, God is our security. God is our comfort. God is our strength. God is our stability. And God wants to refresh us. He wants to give us the delight of his heart and, and soul and might. Here we have the shadow of a great rock in a weary land, the shadow under the wings of a great eagle in a difficult land, and the shadow of a great tree in a barren land. These all speak beautifully of the refreshing, protecting, and satisfying shadow of his presence. These are the shadows of the Almighty God who made the heaven and the earth and holds us in his hand. And I know we're struggling, and I know we're anxious, and I know we're grieving, but that is the God who wants to keep us in his shadow even when the sun seems bright, the S-U-N seems bright, but we can be confident in the S-O-N, the sun. Isaiah 51, 16 says, I have covered thee in the shadow of my hand that I may plant the heavens and lay the foundation of the earth and say unto Zion, thou art my people. Listen, this church was brought into existence by God. This church has been uh, here for over 50 years. God has blessed this church, and you are the core of this church, you people who are here tonight. And God is not through with Landmark Baptist Church. God is uh, going to lead the church on. God is going to bless you. God is going to use the church. Right now, we have a, a time of weariness, but we need to rest in his shadow and realize that he will give us the strength to pursue and go on for the future. I asked Karen for the words to the song she sang this morning because they tie in so well with what I was want, wanted to share with you tonight. Life is easy when you're up on the mountain and you've got peace of mind like you've never known. But then things change and you're down in the valley. Don't lose faith, child. You are never alone. We talk of faith when we're up on the mountain. But the talk comes easy when life's at its best. It's down in the valley of trials and temptation. That's when faith is really put to the test. For the God of the mountain is still God in the valley. When things go wrong, he'll make them right. And the God of the good times is the God in the bad times. 
the God of the day is still God in the night. Shall we pray? Dear Lord, I pray that you would help us to rest in your shadow. You are the shadow of a great rock. You're the shadow of a great eagle. You're the shadow of a great tree. And you are the one who knows all about today